Hello, and welcome to the Film Design Podcast. I'm your host, Max Lincoln. Today I'll be speaking to Dahlia Geller-Collins, who works across film, TV and commercials in various roles, such as assistant set decorator on Bohemian Rhapsody, production buyer on Blinded by the Light and numerous commercials as Pop Silas, with clients including Burberry, H&M and Jaguar. Okay, Dahlia, so could you explain a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes, hello. Um, so I'm Dahlia Gellert Collins. Um, I am a prop stylist and production buyer. Um, essentially, what that means, what I always say to people is anything on a film set that isn't a person or on a person is probably something that I've had to source. Um, so basically, I source props and furniture um, for films and television commercials, events, um, interiors. So it's a bit like an interior designer, an interior stylist, but for film, for film sets. How did you get to where you are? So I always wanted to be an interior designer when I was little. Um, my favourite thing to do when I was about six was to move my bedroom round, and then I'd always ask my parents if I could go to bed early because I wanted to see how it felt to sleep in the room. So I always knew it was something I was into, um, but my dad um, was an architect and he said to me, uh, you don't want to do that, anyone can choose cushions, you'll never get a job. So I didn't actually end up going down the interior design route, um, I ended up doing media studies. Um, so after three years of media studies, um, I started work experience at a couple of television production companies and I actually worked my way up to production coordinator which is obviously more on the production organisational side of things than the art side and um, I just always remember I felt like I knew I was good at the organising side but something was missing and the production company I was at at the time uh, was just about to do one of Gordon Ramsay's new shows and I spoke to the head of production and she agreed to let me be art department assistant on it. So I went and worked as art department assistant and I absolutely loved it. And I was really, really lucky that the designer from that show then took me on to the next three jobs with him. So I sort of started out doing like entertainment TV. I did a lot of like foodie stuff. Um, and then I um, had a good friend um, called James Hamilton, who's a designer in himself now, and James um, introduced me to Mark Connell, who's another designer, and the three of us started to work together doing music videos um, and commercials, just small things, and we just kind of worked our way up and up, and um, yeah, I ended up sort of falling into the buyer and styling position, and um, yeah, the rest is history really, just um, work, met various different people on different jobs, and and that was that. Amazing. And um, how would you differentiate between a buyer and a stylist? Um, okay, so I'd say the stylist is more uh, the creative. So although the buyer does still have um, a lot of creativity in their job, the stylist is more the one who sort of will choose things um, and will actually dress them on the set, where the buyer tends to be the person who actually, it kind of in, in the name of it, does the buying, pays for things, um, quite often, you know, the buyer will buy the slightly more 
less exciting things, shall we say, um, the, the more necessary stuff, um, or in the stylist will choose the more whimsical, creative, creative parts of the project. Amazing. So um, just to be clear, we're mostly talking about commercials here. Yes, sorry, that is in commercials. Yes, absolutely. So on a film, it would be called a set deck and a production buyer. So the set deck would work very closely with the designer um, to come up with, um, you know, like the the floor and the wall colours and and all the patterns and textures and um, would actually um, then send their team out to source all the furniture and all the props. And the buyer would be very much the person who does all we use purchase orders so they're like um it's like the way that we we buy things from suppliers so they do all the paperwork basically they do often get involved in the buying as well they do often get involved in looking for props but usually the set deck or the stylist has sort of the creative control is kind of the head of department of the set deck department so in terms of styling for commercials you're often dealing with agency um and trying to create the look for the clients um, how frequently do you have to interact or do you find that becomes more the art director or designer's role? Usually it's the designer or the art director. I don't have to have a lot of interaction with the client, um, which is quite nice for me actually because I have done some stints as an art director and I have found that you spend a lot of time toing and froing. Um, what I like about being the stylist or the set deck is that you can really focus on the creative task and you can really just be out there and immerse yourself in the world. You don't have to do the backing and the going back and forth sorry, with the, with the client. So what would you say is an average day for you in commercials on, let's say, um, kind of pre-production? A pre-production day on a commercial. So we'd start off having a meeting with the designer. Um, so the whole team would sit down together. Um, so it'd probably be myself, the designer, if there's a graphic designer. Um, and we'd all look at the um, treatment, which is what comes from the director of how they plan to treat um, the idea. Um, and then uh, this designer would usually have done some mood boards that would um, sort of show what each set's going to look like. So we would talk through the mood boards and then we'd probably create some props lists. Um, so we'd, we'd create lists of what is actually needed um, and we'd look at the budget, how much we've got to spend um, on each on each prop um, and then we would get out there and we'd start probably in the prop houses. So there's these big, amazing massive buildings full of incredible props and um, all most of them tend to be in West London the ones that we use and um, so we usually will meet there and we'll go out and have a look and just start seeing what's out there um, and we take photos and we take measurements um, and we build up like a collection of um, ideas and then we'll sit down and go through all of them and kind of start pulling things together and see what works with what um, and then the designer will usually then create like a new mood board that he'll then send to the agency of props that he thinks that we should use or options. Often he'll give more than one option. So there might be like three options on a sofa or, you know, a few options on the table. Um, and then we just wait for feedback. Amazing. So, for example, talking about prop houses, if, you know, you were asked to find a miniature porcelain deer, how would you go about doing that in a prop house? So um, a miniature porcelain deer. So there's particular 
There's a particular prop house called Super Hire, a little plug for them there. Um, and they're very good because they have aisles and aisles of stuff, but they label it so you know certain areas. So, for example, aisle 9 and 10 is kitchenware, aisle 5 is candles. So you'd probably go into the ornament section first and you'd go and have a look um, if there was something in there. Um, there might also be an animal section. Um, so, yeah, I probably would start with ornaments. Um, and just work your way from there. And, um, you know, often we find that things are being asked for quite quickly in commercials and you might not necessarily be able to order them. Like, how do you go about searching for something that's seemingly impossible? Um, lots of schmoozing I've found is very useful in this job. So usually um, I would look for something online and it might say five days delivery. So I'd usually then ring the supplier and explain what we're doing. Most people are really keen to be involved um, because it's always good advertising for them. Um, and usually we can come to some sort of agreement, whether it be they send out on a next day delivery or if it's somewhere we could courier it, we'll send a courier. I once actually had to get a teaspoon couriered from Manchester um, for a, um, it was a vodka commercial and they wanted this really specific teaspoon and we had to have it by the next day and we had to spend, I think it was like £120 on the, on the courier for the teaspoon. The teaspoon was only a tenner. Um, so that was quite a good one. But yeah, it's usually always possible as long as it's not in Australia or somewhere, then then you can't pretty much can't get it in a day. But even then, there's amazing FedEx and things these days. But yeah, usually most things we can get hold of if you ask the right questions and you ask the right people. And you're really nice to people. If you're nice to people, then they usually will help you. Amazing. And um, kind of continuing from that topic, what's the strangest prop you've been, you can, <laughs> <I> <laughs> you can remember being asked to find as a late? I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, what was the name of that funny little fish we had to find on the job I did with oh, you actually, an, Max? It was an axolotl. <laughs> an axolotl. So I didn't even know what it was when I was asked. Um, we did a, an advert for um, which was actually fantastic, very Wes Anderson in style. And uh, they wanted this kind of walking fish, um, which was quite an, an unusual thing. So yes, I luckily managed to find someone in the UK who had one. And as you can imagine, they don't get asked for those very often. So he was really super excited to be involved. Um, and he really went out of his way to help us um, to source one and the tank and everything. And he, he explained how you look after it and... I think he actually took it back afterwards, didn't he? So that he could look after it rather than it going to one of the crew's houses. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> the, yeah, it's, um, yeah, he, um, he had this very cute little axolotl, which I believe is an amphibian actually. And, um, he had one in green and one in orange. Um, but I think the imagined idea would be this really beautiful pink and white one, but of course, the ones that were that were kind of so small that they just wouldn't register on camera. Yeah, that's it. Um, and I think with things like this, certainly if you were doing it on a film, it would be different because what we would do with the film is we'd start with the really difficult props. So we'd have a, quite a few weeks or a couple of months to prep. So we'd, we'd go through the, the script, we'd break it down um, into props lists and we'd look at what are the most difficult things to get hold of and we'd start with those. So then if we knew we had that axolotl, for example, we'd speak to that supplier and he'd maybe have time for that for that axolotl to grow to the size that we wanted it. <laughs> but obviously when it's a commercial, you tend to only get like a week's prep, right? So, you know, there's only so much you can do in a week and then the rest is down to post-production and, and the magic of um, smoke and mirrors, I think. Yeah. 
So talking about the kind of the feature TV set deck production buyer kind of side of things, how frequently do you get to go out to markets and actually explore and really hunt for props? Yeah, we do get to do that. It's, that is the, the, one of the loveliest parts of the job. So we'd, we'd always go to somewhere like Kempton Antiques Market. Um, you usually, again, do that at the beginning of the job, um, at least once you know um, what the sets are going to look like. So once we've done mood boards for, for the job and if it's on a film, you've broken down all the sets, then we'd probably do a day at Kempton or Ardingley um, and just go around and start pulling stuff out, um, just finding really beautiful antiques. Um, speaking to people there, letting them know if there's props that we're looking for. So then we leave our details and they can call us if they get hold of anything. Um, but I don't get to do it so much on commercials anymore, as I say, because it's generally quite a quick turnaround. And the other thing, of course, is when you're hiring props for a commercial, it's only for a very short time. Whereas when you're doing it for a film, it could be for, you know, 10, 20 weeks. So sometimes it does make more sense to buy something rather than hire it. Um, so yeah, less so on commercials, but um, yeah, we usually do quite a bit on films. It's really lovely process. And when you are going around these antiques markets, um, say you see something that you think is quite good, but you're not quite sure, and you kind of want to do a circuit first. Um, how do you go about it? Do you tell them that you are interested, and can they call you if someone else comes along, or what's the process? I personally very much work on intuition and I always have so I've always trusted my instincts of what I think is good and it's, so far it's never let me down um, but what I would usually do is I would photograph the item and I'd probably send it straight to the designer and say look I really like this what do you think and then I'd just say to the guy you know can you just hold it for five ten minutes while I wait for an answer um, it's not always possible but things get you know things that are really good get sold really quickly um, which is why we always tend if you know if we know we want a lot we'll go as soon as it opens six in the morning six thirty, um, and so that you're making sure that you get the best stuff because the good things always go first and, and otherwise you'll, you'll miss out on them so I think instinct is very important in in this role you've got to really trust trust your gut and trust your instincts Amazing. Do you ever find that you're at the market and you can spot another um, art department at the same time <laughs> and there's a bit of a kind of a, a chase for the, the perfect prop? Uh, definitely spot other art departments at the same time. Um, it's always funny. I think everyone stops for a cheese toasty and a coffee at the same time as well and a chin wag. But um, personally, never had to argue over a prop. Um, I guess it depends what sets you're working on. Um, but it did happen on, I did a film recently called Blinded by the Light, um, which is a lovely Gurinder Charder movie, and it was all set in the 80s. And next door was um, Black, um, what's it called? Black Mirror, sorry, went from my head there. Black Mirror was shooting next door, also an 80s set. So we did have a little bit of a tug of war um, with who got the 80s stuff at the prop house. I remember the buyer actually calling me and saying, oh, I've seen your name on on a sofa. I'm just wondering, you know, are you definitely taking it or are you going to, how long do you need it for? I wonder if there's a way that we could have it after you. So um, it's quite good. It's quite a small community. So we do all tend to help each other where we can if somebody really desperately wants something, you know, you can sort of, assess and talk to your designer about how how um, important it is to your set or whether they could have it or you know so yeah we do try and tend not to work against each other but all work together because we all work with different people at all times so it's um yeah it's good just to keep to keep on good terms with everybody and help each other absolutely so styling on set 
Um, how do you go about dressing a room, for example? So uh, dressing a room. So certainly when we do a film, you would normally get a dressing plan. Um, so the dressing plan will show where the furniture would go. Um, we would then go out and obviously make sure we've got all that furniture and all the props. Um, and then we would bring everything in the room, lay it out on tables, and then we'd just start going in with the big pieces first, so the furniture would go in place. And then we would just start um, kind of again, like instinctively dressing, say it's shelves, you know, what you put on the shelves. Um, you sort of go and you just, it's very, very in the flow, very creative. Um, you instinctively do it. And then we would call the designer in and ask his, his or her opinion. Um, and see if they're happy and see if they want to change anything and just take it from there. So do you have any favourite jobs you've done in the past year or like pre-quarantine let's say or something that comes to mind? Yeah I mean um, I did amazing commercials for FIFA last year we did two big commercials for um, the football the football lot for FIFA um, which were really cool really cool sets like quite high tech. Um, I also did a wonderful job with you Max which um, was from um, and was all based on uh, Wes Anderson and anything Wes Anderson. I absolutely love Wes Anderson. So styling in the style of Wes Anderson is my favourite thing to do. So that that was a really fun one, trying to find props that were in that sort of very classic Wes Anderson style. Um, and then probably Blinded by the Light was a really lovely film to do. Uh, you know, I love the 80s. Again, it's really fun when you do anything that's period and you have to go into that period. It's always really fun, you know, finding the Walkmans, finding the old 80s computers, um, you know, it's just, yeah, even like the bed the bed linen, like what did the 80s bed linen? We actually um, found online the back catalogue of Argos catalogues right up to like the 70s. You can download them. So we downloaded the Argos catalogues for the three years that this film was set. And then we all just sat and had a look through and it, it's amazing. It's, you know, you, you see what a bedside lamp looked like in 1982, what, what was a typical telephone. And it's just brilliant. It's really helpful and it's, it's really, really fun. That's a really brilliant tip. I remember finding those um, downloadable Argos catalogues and checking what things looked like on my birthday year basically yeah it's um, brilliant because you just so and, and, and also with the fashion you know as well it's like it, it's i mean it's amazing for costume but it's just brilliant it really gets your head in even just thinking you know what would an ordinary person have in their house what if they if they went to argos it's quite an ordinary store we're not talking you know the higher end stuff what would an ordinary person's uh, telephone look like for example or what would an ordinary person iron with or and it's all those little details that really make the film feel real feel authentic when you're doing something like an 80s or any sort of period um film obviously there's no argos catalogues for going back to like victorian times but <laughs> that's a real ways. shame though yeah <laughs> they, should have, they should have gone on it faster <laughs> um amazing so in terms of research um yes. for let's say a film or tv project you know when you're being a, a buyer or you know, an assistant set decorator, how much research are you doing? Does that come from above or do you work with them or what's the role? You do do quite a lot of research. So I did um, a series called Upstart Crow, which is Ben Elton's um, comedy series. Um, and that was all based around Shakespeare and Shakespeare's life at home. So I, myself and my assistant set deck 
did a week of research. We went to the Globe Theatre, we bought loads of books um, on the Tudors and that sort of world. Um, actually, the Eyewitness books, which are the children's books, are brilliant um, for um, historical facts, you know, just little things like what knives and forks did they use? Um, you know, when did knives and forks come in? You know, all that sort of stuff. You do need to research because obviously you want to get it right. Um, when you're doing a comedy, you've got a little bit of leeway. You know, you can you can get away with a little bit more. Um, but yeah, you do really need to do your research. You need to know. Um, you need to know what you're looking for. Um, what it would have looked like. Um, on Blinded by the Light, they had an art department assistant who started really early, and she put together like a bible of uh, the 80s. So she did um, a lot of the key props. She sort of did some mood boards for what they would have looked like. Um, and that they put that they stuck they printed it out and stuck it all around the art department so everybody was just immersed in this world of 1980s um, and when you when it's on a commercial I would say it probably comes more from the designer the, the set deck and stylist gets involved more once kind of the initial mood boards have been done um, so it's it would be the designer or the art director that would do that research um, into what it should look like and then the set deck or stylist would come in um, and start looking for stuff. Yeah, and then once the the feature or TV show are finished and you've got a beautiful warehouse full of props, um, you know, saying, you know, I know on a continuing movie or like an Avengers type thing, they'd probably keep them, but um, do you find that you get involved with selling the bits on after or how does, what happens Th when There's always done? an intention to, um, there's always an intention to sell it on afterwards, but um, it doesn't always happen because it's quite a lot of work. I think what usually happens, so that it would be the props master on a film anyway, the props master, once once I've sourced everything um, and it goes in, it then becomes the responsibility of the props master and the props team would look after the props. So usually the props master might lay everything out at the end and they would get the cast and crew to come and they might sell things off at 50%. Um, or if they have time, um, then they might get the art department assistant to list things on eBay. Um, or we might get somebody from the props houses to actually come and have a look and see if there's anything that they want to take. Um, and it would go into the prop houses and then that means that it could be used on future productions by other people. Or it might end up in my house. I've got quite a lot in my house that's come off film sets. My husband and I always joke about how we've actually the only thing in our house that we've bought is our sofa. <laughs> Everything else has come off the film set, so it's all very mismatched. But um, it's nice to have the memories. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure you you probably end up having um, kind of wildly crazy things that you would never have imagined to actually buy. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so during this time of, um, I guess, uh, film stagnation and quarantine, um, how are you? staying artistically motivated like what have you been up to during quarantine so i the first thing i think you have to do is stay very grounded and the way i'm doing that is with lots of meditation and yoga which i've always been into anyway um and then i'm just being creative in slightly different ways i've got really into cooking um so i've started really being experimental cooking lots baking lots um, I have also um, been making candles 
um, which has been really lovely. Um, I went on a little candle making course just before quarantine, which is brilliant timing. I've actually been making um, like skincare products, things like that. Just anything that's involved, I think just with making, you know, it's it's got that creative feel to it. So that's what I've been doing. Um, obviously also watching films, um, getting inspired and reading the books that you've had on your bookshelf for years and never actually had time to read, just sitting in the sunshine and, and reading um, books, looking at looking at interior design books or looking on Pinterest or looking at blogs. So yeah, keeping the juices flowing that way. It's um, really important to kind of not, I, I don't know, I, I find that if you're not really able to leave the house, you've just got to do something to keep the mind active. Absolutely. I don't understand how people are getting bored. I mean, I actually feel like there's not enough hours in the day. I've got, there's so many things that I want to do with this time and so many things I want to learn. And I've been saying, oh, there's some courses I'd like to do. And like, like you and I were just talking about before, updating your website, all sorts of things like that. There's so I feel like there's so much that you could be doing. So I am quite surprised when people say they're bored because, um, yeah, there's there's so many things and there's there's all these online. I think a lot of online courses have reduced their fees so you can do courses for next to nothing, which is really amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it's been fantastic having you on the show and um, I look forward to, yeah, seeing you in the future. Thanks, Max. Thanks for having me. The show's intro was composed by Sam McGrell, mixed by Max Bloom, and the artwork was created by Alec Jagodzinski. <laughs>